Hey, this is John. How is everybody? Good. <laughs> We're great. So I'm joined by Jesse Kohler, Bonetta Williams, and Russell Hicks. <laughs> Russell Hicks. <laughs> Uh, Russell Hicks is here with us from TeamWorks, and we're going to discuss the TeamWorks program and how it wor- works um, within the Manion community. But first, let's recap uh, Read to Succeed. Our last podcast was Read to Succeed, and we talked with Jenniki Bright and Peggy Savage. In that podcast, we had an array of comments. Uh, we touched on an array of subjects as far as reading, literacy, different um, avenues you could take when you want to ha- increase your child's reading abilities in addition to the need to sit down with your child and have those telling moments on how to read and how to encourage your child to read rather th- than discourage. Um, and we also promoted No More Homework, <laughs> a.k.a. Uh, Janiki Bray. She was the pioneer for that campaign. But um, it was really great, and we're going to actually have them join us again this summer. So that will be a great conversation for us to have later on, possibly in the May time. Um, so today we're going to talk to Russell Hicks and Bernetta Williams about TeamWorks. So can you tell me what TeamWorks is? So TeamWorks actually means teaching, employment, and engagement, mentorship. So all three of those things, actually all four of those, um, encompasses what teenagers and young adults need to work in an environment where they can be self-sustainable. So that's really what TeamWorks is. And it was based off of one of the programs that we had here at Northlight Community Center called USLA, which meant which stood for Urban Sustainability Leadership Academy. And after our previous director, Tawana Skipper, was here and really did an evaluation of what USLA meant as far as funding for Northlight, we were looking at other avenues to get more um, young adults that have potential to do various things in our community but don't have the actual tools to do those things and so teamworks was predicated on getting those young adults interested in trades and other <coughs> union opportunities in the city to gravitate to north light and also to gravitate to those dying industries that if we don't and if we don't employ them with younger people, then they will kind of dwindle off or either be employed by people that are not from the city of Philadelphia. And um, so that initiative really wants to promote young adults, teenagers to go into industries where they can make um outside of the minimum wage. And that's really what we want to promote, self-sufficiency, because at the end of the day, Philadelphia is one of the, is the country's poorest cities. Poverty levels are very minimal compared to everybody else across the country. So we just really need to be aware of that. And where do we start? We start with our young adults that are going into the workforce or they already are in the workforce, but giving them more access to the opportunities that are out here. I think that's amazing. Um, One thing I want to say is with you guys tackling the um, younger demographic, what do you think are some of the factors that they face when trying to find a job? Like what are some of the external factors that make it a barrier for them to find a job? Hmm. 
Okay, so there's a number of things. Like I mentioned, Philadelphia or Philadelphia is the poorest country, the poorest city across the country. It's right? the poorest major city of the 10 major cities. Yeah. Yes, thank you. No. Um, and so with that being said, there's a lot of barriers. One in particular is housing. Housing is a huge issue. We have a lot of teenagers and young adults that want to move and be on their own, but they don't have the means to the financial means or mm -hmm. the financial uh, stability. Um, you can get a job and start working and acquire an apartment at a very low rate, but how long will you be in that apartment? Could you maintain that for six months or a year? Or will you be back at your parents' house after a year? So that's one of the barriers. And then others is the educational system here in Philadelphia is um, is very is holding our students back. And now you can say it is poor. It's really bad. Our it's education poor. System. Our education system is poor. Um, in 2015, they closed over 30 elementary schools. And if we're closing elementary schools, what does that say about our high schools and getting those crowded classroom and really letting those students fall behind or fall through the cracks and missing a lot of the things that they're needing right now. So our educational system, our housing system, and then also our medical care out here. We have a lot of young adults that if we are not paying attention, we really don't know what is going on with them. Mm -hmm. um, we are really talking about trauma now and being trauma-informed. There's a lot of people that are dealing with trauma, that face trauma day in and day out, but don't know where to go for the resources to actually um, get the help and the support that they need. And so those are some of the, the main barriers that I see that are really clogging and um, making it harder for young adults to get to some of these programs that are out here. Yeah, I think that touching on those subjects is key because without like proper education, housing, medical insurance, or even mental health, like support for your mental health, that that hinders your ability to work or get a proper job because you can't get it. Um, with all that being said, how do you as teamwork help that? help those external effects, help people facing these external factors? So what we mainly do with TeenWorks is we empower the teen, the young adult. We empower them through mentorship and through employability. And so we touch on the soft skills that are necessary for young adults, which are those resume writing, the cover letters, and even talking to um people in their community, talking with other professionals that are in the community that care about them is another avenue of how we actually tackle some of those things that the young adults are experiencing now. And I actually want our guest speaker, Russell, to talk more on to how we do that at TeamWorks um, as the facilitator of this here, Cohort 3. Mm -hmm. We a lot of support and love and wrapping our <clears throat> arms around our youth and giving them access to as many resources as possible. Bernetta really laid out a lot of the challenges that our young people face in Philadelphia, whether it be housing, education, access to quality health care. Uh, there's a lot in terms of the trauma because, you know, the crime, the families, uh, there's a lot of challenges. So what TeamWorks does in overcoming some of those barriers is providing some of the youth with 21st century skills to prepare them for the jobs of the future, to really equip them with the skills 
um, for you know careers in the trades and the utility industries in particular, which are high in demand, and but they require specific skills. So some of the 21st century skills around communication, uh, having the confidence to you know go to a job interview, how to write a resume, what to know what you're good at in terms of your skill sets and developing new skill sets. So part of the thing Renata mentioned was soft skills. Uh, my company focuses on uh, emotional intelligence and meeting people where they are to help them address some of those traumas, but also offer the wraparound supportive services to help with some of those soft skills um, around self-esteem, um, self-love, and just uh, being believing in yourself. I think belief is the most powerful force in the world humans can harness. And so encouraging people to look inside themselves and find that, that passion and belief within themselves. So we encourage the young people in terms of the soft skills and developing you know, who they are. The technical side is really the hard skills and those skills that employers are looking for, uh, particularly in the trades and utilities. Uh, like Bernetta said, a lot of um, you know retirees are out of the out of these fields and careers, and they leave a vast um, bottleneck or void for for really specific skills in these industries. So what Teamworks does is uh, prepares uh, young people to pass a CAS test. Uh, and this test uh, will give them entree to careers in utility and careers and companies that need talent, um, talent in engineering and math, um, STEM, uh, science, you know, t uh, technology, engineering, and math. And so those are the skill sets, you know, that this test kind of um, measures, and if they can get through the math and get through, or even just, you know, have the confidence to try to take the test. And and by God, if they pass the test, can get entree into a living wage, not only a job, but a career that can feed their families for generations. So, yeah. So what companies do you guys partner with? Um, can you describe a company that you guys will partner with once they pass the cash trading? And what would be the next step for them? Like, how would you make sure that these people who pass the gas training get, gain employment? Well, there's a range of different um, employers. Uh, from Pico, uh, there are also vendors and installers that any utility company that uh, deals with energy, whether it be electricity, uh, gas, uh, but more moving into uh, renewable forms of energy, hydro, wind, uh, solar. Is, is becoming more and more popular. Also, the trades and, and gearing young people to uh, enter the pre-apprenticeship programs for the trade unions. Uh, so, you know, each or most trade unions having a pre-apprenticeship program. And once teens complete the Teamworks program, which is six weeks, they'll have the skills, uh, some tools, and a recommendation to enter these pre-apprenticeship programs that is a pipeline into the trade unions. Okay, that's what's up. Yeah. Russ, I'm curious. How did you hear about Teamworks? Because you come from an outside company, Ebony & Sons. So how did you kind of partner? What did that partnership look like? Yeah, well, Ebony & Sons, we do uh, business coaching, career coaching for youth and adults in local communities, uh, project management. Um, really around the green economy is where our niche is and working with youth is where my reputation is so 
Actually, it was um, the, the the director and, and Bernadette's mentor, Tawana Skipper, saw me speak at another uh, project in the community uh, with the CDC in West Philly, uh, working with some youth and some of our wise people in West Philly around what the green economy was and the education around what green means to black and brown communities. What so, is, you know, I got invited to kind of yeah. come see what the Teamworks program was about. I met Ms. Williams, a uh, big fan of her work and, and how she cares about young people. And really for the summer, I think, was our first mm -hmm. opportunity to work with some of the youth with Teamworks and uh, adding the soft skill component to the program as well as some strategic partnerships with some of the labor unions and the pre-apprenticeship program. So just, you know, expanding the program and, and uh, providing some, some some value add. Yeah, so I think that John was about to ask the same thing, but what is a green economy, right? And especially as a, a white individual, I'm curious, what, what does it mean to the black and brown communities? Well, green is, you know, everything um, environmental. So being an environmental steward, taking care of the earth, saving the planet. So you can think of yourself as a superhero. That's even everything from picking up your trash and not littering to planting new trees. Remember Captain so, Planet, y'all? Yeah. <laughs> you can be Captain Planet. That's you can be green. <laughs> that's who, that's who he was. He was the green. He was the green community, Captain Planet. <laughs> so it's not a, a new concept, mm -hmm. but um, sustainability. You hear everything going green. A lot of companies are going paperless. Mm -hmm. uh, you hear, you know, all the climate change stories. Things are happening all around the country and the world. We have to respond to those crises. And so, what does our, our energy systems look like? The pollution that our systems create and what do we do about it so um the triple bottom line is where you know sustainability and businesses you know really look to embrace a triple bottom line which is the green economy which is more about people profit and place versus just about profit mm -hmm. so traditionally business is just totally about making money and the bottom line and this triple bottom line really considers the planet, uh, taking care of the planet, and how to engage people in taking care of the planet, being good stewards, mm -hmm. uh, and all stakeholders being good stewards, from individuals, communities, corporations, individuals. So we're talking about communities that have been displaced or disinvested. That's when we talk about brown and black communities uh, here in Philadelphia. But as I mentioned, Philadelphia being the most, one of the most poorest cities in the nation but you know, being represented by people of color. So why are the opportunities here in the job? So this green new economy offers uh, an opportunity for new jobs to be created and people to fill those jobs that are available to all, just not some people. Mm -hmm. For sure, thank you. Um, yeah, just, just if I can add one thing real quick to that, or it was kind of like kind of the last 15 minutes and 36 seconds so far. One of the biggest problems that I saw in the education system was a sincere lack of engagement from the student's perspective. And one of the greatest things that I've seen in Teamworks is that it kind of brings the students out of their chair. They're still in a seat for the most part. 
but it brings them out and engages them in the curriculum, right? The, the biggest problem that I think the workforce has, to answer John's initial question, is that you have a bunch of people who were sitting in school being taught to be passive, mm -hmm. and then you are telling them, all right, now engage. Well, guess what? It's not that easy to just turn on a switch, right? It's not how that works. We have learned behaviors, learned habits that mm -hmm. schools, especially under-resourced schools with, when you talk about what happens when 30 elementary schools go away, guess what? Kids are still there, so we just have more crowded classrooms. We have a higher uh, student-to-teacher ratio. Mm. It's a problem. It leads to more and more disengagement. Mm. Trauma can play into that as we start to dissociate from the material that's actually there in front of us, and we kind of escape into our own world. So what I've seen Teamworks do, and what I really think the power is, not to put words in any of your mouths, but it's really engaging the kids in something, right? It's the resume workshops. It's, it's the financial literacy modules. Mm -hmm. It's the CAS test, which is construction mm -hmm. and skilled trades for anybody that doesn't know that's what mm -hmm. CAS stands for. Mm -hmm. And then it's taking them into that, and then it's preparing them, whatever their job's going to be. It could be in hydro. It could be in solar. could be ground well construction. I have no idea. It could be anything. But you're going to have to engage in whatever it is you do, and mm -hmm. that's the biggest. It's not the only thing that you're doing. But it's the biggest part of what you're doing is teaching people to engage with the world around them. So I think that's very interesting. And I'm glad that, Jesse, you took the time to talk about how engagement was a very important part for you. Because when I mentioned teamwork, I talked about teaching. And that's kind of what Russell talked about. And you talked about engagement, which is very, very important all of these pieces are very important when we talk about teamwork. And then I talked mm. about the employment piece and those soft skills that you need. And then, John, could you talk a little bit about mentorship and how important that is? Because I think that you play a very important role of being a mentor at North Light Community Center. And not just for the teenagers, but for that gap that North Light is still looking to fulfill with the 13 to 16-year-olds. And you are as I've heard multiple times from students in the program that, John, I remember John when I was a kid, and they still like to come back to North Light to see some of their old mentors that are instilled or used to be there. So could you talk on that? So I think with mentorship, the reason why it's important, especially in the Teamworks program and having somebody who leads you and guides you down the right direction, especially when you're trying to find a job or even trying to find your way throughout life, is because so many people go throughout life blindly. And we're all looking for somebody to guide us down the right direction. However, who's there to help make support us throughout that time? And I think Teamworks does a great job of facilitating that. That they What you do is you say, I understand where you're coming from. That's where we're going to take you. You lead them down the right direction to get them job placement. And you lead them down the right direction to make sure that they holistically have an understanding of their life skills, developing that, like, let's say you guys are just talking about, like, what you guys are eating and the type of food you like, or let's say you guys are working with the students on what they're facing outside of just your teamworks. Mm -hmm. Like, let's say somebody's dealing with the um, aspect of mm -hmm. home life that is impacting their ability to be a productive member in teamworks you guys deal with those type of issues and what i've learned dealing being a mentor is you can't just talk about the program whatever program you're implementing that comes secondary to the person mm -hmm. and the person is most important 
who they are, how can they be included in this program, how are they valued and important to this program. And I think anytime I'm mentoring somebody, it's not about me being the mentor, it's more about the individual that I'm mentoring. Mm -hmm. Because it's how are they valued, what it makes them feel important. And I think that's what makes children come back to me and say, oh, John, I remember him, this, that, and the third, is because as a mentor, I'm not thinking about myself. It's not about myself. It's about what can I do to help them get down the right direction. I think Teamworks does an excellent job of doing the same thing. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, <clears throat> and I think all of us care about youth and young people. I think that's really where and the why behind the engagement is because young people see people that care about them. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if you are in a cold world that you feel alone sometimes, you don't have the support, and when you come to a warm environment or atmosphere where you feel cared about, then you want to come back. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, you know, I guess part of the thing, too, with the, um, the education piece is connecting, um, you know, those skills to what they're learning, to the curriculum. Mm -hmm. So if you're in the classroom and, and you don't see how what you learn is relative to real life, you're probably not going to be engaged. And so with, in addition to all those other issues in the classroom with the school system, um, you know, it's really about connecting the dots in terms of making it really relative to putting food on the table, on, you know, some of the stories, some of the kids, when they come to Teamworks, they get fed. Mm -hmm. They get support with their transportation in terms of SEPTA and getting some of that transportation costs, um, you mm -hmm. know, reimbursed or taken care of for them. Some of those barriers being removed. Even, you know, a reference on their resume for a job interview and being that ear of encouragement. You know, people have called us before they have taken the test. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. just to receive that last, you know, urge of encouragement or, you know, um, you know, call their boss to to vouch for them to, you know, probably miss a day of work so they can attend the Teamworks program. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, you know, they appreciate these, you know, small things that, that mean a lot to the, to the young people. Yeah, yeah. So can you tell me some of the benefits that people who join Teamworks program would have after they um, come out of the Teamworks program? Well, I think Russell touched on that a little bit. Um, just... For one, you will have a reference to put on your resume. Two, you will have a safe haven to go back to. Uh, and um, Northlight Community Center will do a amazing job at listening to the individual, creating that resilience based on if you pass the test or not. Um, and then you will also get a bank account with BMT. Um, we have a strong partnership with Bremar Trust, and we allow people to learn more about financial stability and what does it mean to build up your credit, understanding what credit is, um, also understanding what financial literacy is and saving money mm -hmm. and how that can play into other levels of your life and life skills. Um, all of those things are what you will receive or benefit from Teamworks. And like I said, just a family environment and a place to go to in Maniac. If you're ever in the area, we are always, our doors are open for the most part. And then we also have some awesome people that come in there and programs that are also available to the participants. So with that said, we invite you to join our family this Friday. We have a graduation yes. ceremony. Yes, we do. For Teamworks. From I'll 6 to there. 8. Mm -hmm. At the Northline Community Center, mm -hmm. 175 Green Lane. 
mm-hmm. in Maniac, mm-hmm. Philadelphia. Yes, okay. And um, we have an opportunity for people to apply for the next cohort of Teamworks, which starts November 12th, next yes. Tuesday. All they have to do is go online. Yes, go online to nlcc.org under Youth Teamworks, and then you can register on that website for our program that starts November 12th, and it goes until December 13th. You will have to go to northlightcc.org. Unfortunately, we do not own the rights to NLCC. Oh. Just to put that out there, I wish we did. Our acronym is NLCC, but just so that people have everything else that Bernetta said was spot on, but you're going to want to go to northlightcommunitycenter.org or northlightcc.org. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So graduation this Friday. For the people that were in cohort three, that started September 24th. So we want to continue to honor these young adults that have been, that's taken time out of their busy lives to come and to just frequent our place and to learn more about Northlight and to build up their resume and also build up their resilience to being employed, being engaged, and gaining some mentorships through Ebony Sons and Northlight Community Center. Yeah, so come on out, 6 p.m. this Friday, Northlight Community Center for Teamworks graduation ceremony. I do not think that it can be overstated how important grit and resilience those soft skills are to the workforce. Uh, When I came in, I had very few hard skills that were applicable. I have a bachelor's and a master's, so I have plenty of education. There's plenty of knowledge floating around in my head. If you ever get the pleasure of watching Jeopardy with me, (laughs) I know some weird answers. Not a lot of applicable stuff to the workforce, right? It was the grit and resilience that I learned through baseball and other places in my life Mm -hmm. that have benefited me in the long run. And so that what you're giving Mm -hmm. the kids, because they can learn the hard skills, right? Mm -hmm. Pico can teach a kid how to, you know, work a jackhammer or whatever it is that they're going to do. But to actually go through the month of not knowing what the heck you're doing and still be on your feet and come the next day and be ready to go to work so that you learn and master whatever the task is that you're going to get paid for. Mm -hmm. Those soft skills are just so important. And that actually sounds like teamwork. It's coming, going every day. Sometimes you, you you just don't know. You don't know if... Today, I'm going to actually be able to go to work. I don't know if I'm going to have an emergency at um, my home or with another job. I don't even know if my phone is going to be on. I don't know if I'll have a place to sleep tonight. So you do have some of those things. And I just want to say something about that because those are life skills as well. We just have to harness those so that we can actually move through those um, hurdles in our lives that we over that we overcome those hurdles and don't allow them to be barriers that allow us, that stop us from being successful. The one thing I want to say to all that is because I faced all that, especially when I was in school, that's when they really used to storm. And one thing my teacher told me is if it ain't storming, you ain't about to get blessed. So whenever it starts storming on you, you just got to remember right around that corner, you're about to be blessed and not give up. And you got to push through and persevere because the worst thing you could do is say, oh, it's storming. I can't do this. I got to give up. 
You got to make it through that storm. Yeah, You got to take us to church, John. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes. And that's why, and, and like you mentioned, you said your teacher. So that was somebody you were seeing about six hours a day. Exactly. So, and we don't see these young people six hours a day. We see them for about two hours a day. Except so we for the had... one week during the cast week, but oh, I'll shut oh, up yes. on that. <laughs> Sorry, I was, just, I was just saying. There's it's one, one it's week. It's not the same as being a teacher for sure. No, yeah, but it is. So in that two hours, we have to impact and do a hard uh, transparency, transformation, and really give ourselves to that group and engage and connect and be that that pillar for them so that they can be successful and see that we are not we are not putting on a show we really care about what their success rate is mm-hmm. yeah so it sounds like if you aren't committed and ready to like fit through that whole program then you shouldn't even apply really or should they apply they should, should. still apply yeah. they should still apply because success doesn't happen overnight as jesse mm-hmm. mentioned you can't click it on and turn it back off and people go through things and mm-hmm. the one thing we do want them to understand is we hear that mm-hmm. all the time and that there's situations that you're going through and that we can't help you immediately North Light, we've Mm -hmm. been around for over 80 years. Mm -hmm. We know somebody or we know somebody that knows somebody Mm -hmm. that knows somebody that knows somebody. Mm -hmm. And we're going to try to get you what you need so that we are not putting people back out into society with no resources. Yes. Exactly. So we want people to apply because it really takes a team when we're talking about resilience and overcoming barriers. So, you know, shout out to Bernetta, <laughs> shout out to Chantel, and shout out to our team at the North Light Community Center. And shout out to Russell. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> and Cole Newman. Yes. Our team at uh, Team Works. And, you know, again, you know, providing that, that in, in, encouragement, that mentorship for you to overcome barriers and to be resilient. Uh, and it takes teamwork to make the dream work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, love that. Mm-hmm. I cannot believe that we have not used that in the marketing material yet. I know. We will have to. <laughs> um, so how would you advise, we're kind of talking about young people mm-hmm. generally. So someone walks into the office, right? How would you, we'll, we'll just start, how, how would you advise a young person to apply themselves? Start that general, we will work down. I recognize that's a hard question. Okay, so for me, I start with the basics. What do you want to do? Go back to that time when you were seven years old. What did you really want to do? And if you start there with your dreams before somebody even stopped your dreams, then you could kind of get a basis of where you will land it. So, you know, you shoot for the stars and you land amongst the, the clouds. So I still advise them to keep shooting. Keep shooting for those stars that you really, really, really want to accomplish and then see where you land it. And then I also talk to them about financing. Finances is very important and it's taboo in a lot of communities of black and brown people. You don't want to talk about finances because you don't want to feel that you're inferior to anyone. And so to start there, where are you going to actually get your next payment so that you can go into a job? Because you can't go to work if you have no way to get there. So just to talk about that and to save money for your transportation, we have a very, um, we have a lucrative transportation system in Philadelphia that a lot of big cities do not have. And it is on the expensive side. However, it will take you throughout the city through different counties. And if you can get a transpass and be able to move throughout these different counties, then you can find 
some work to do. We are going into the holiday season. So I always empower people to continue to look for those things that you want to do. And if those things that you want to do are not out there, a lot of things that you don't want to do to finance that thing that you really want to do. So that's how I offer young people to apply themselves. Apply yourselves by not giving up on your dreams, but mm-hmm. focusing on the things that are out here that you can connect to and connect yourself to that so it can finance your dreams. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I usually start off with um, with listening, really, and just meeting folks where they are. Overall, I think we want to identify or have the young people identify within themselves a passion. Uh, for me, I think it was college when I kind of got out of my mom and dad house and went to college, discovered what I wanted and what things I was good at. And then that passion led me to purpose and really discovering a purpose. And so I wanted to help people uh, economically. Uh, so, you know, first, you, discover, you know, finding a passion within yourself, um, discovering your purpose through some experience experiences and learning how to profit from that passion and your purpose um you know we throw around terms like serving leadership um in class we have discussions around certain terms some people may think you know that could be a religious thing but it's really about just service anybody from uh, the armed forces to civic service the mayor of Philadelphia on down to the garbage man. It's all service. And so helping people and finding your capacity, your lane to do so makes you feel good. And so finding your purpose and then do some employment, whether you're an employee or an employer, um, you know, finding some profit where you can feed your family. So, you know, even in, in the orientations, we are recruiting for the new cohort that starts November 12th. Uh, you know, the message to the kids is, you know, come to Teamworks because, you know, it's the family atmosphere and what we're about is feeding your family, you know, getting you to a point where you can feed your family. So, um, you know, in terms of that um, kid that needs help, walk into the doors. We invite you to walk into the doors at North Flight Community Center. We're going to open our arms to you. We're going to listen to you. We may feed you, okay? Mm-hmm. But uh, <laughs> we're going <laughs> to try to recommend you for some uh, employable um, job opportunities to establish a career that you really love and passionate about. Yes. So can we talk a little more about um, some of the successes that Teamworks has brought to people who have already been a part of the last two cohorts? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So when we first started Teamworks in February, February 12th was our first cohort, which was also our first snow day in Philadelphia. (laughs) We had a full class of people join us. um, And we had one really strong success story. Um, This person was incarcerated previously And with his incarceration was a lot of different barriers. Um, The barriers really came from jobs that he was already working at. But once the employers looked at his background a little bit deeper, then they would uh, fire him from the jobs. And so when he came to Northlight and joined Teamworks, he was really at the point where he was feeling that all of his resources were exhausted. So 
And he was very resilient, showed up every day, willing to learn and ask questions about any of the the modules that we were completing. And he never stopped pushing. Uh, did a full week of the cash training with um, our uh, specialist. And then after taking the CAS testing, not passing the CAS testing, but still coming back to North Lightning and asking were there other opportunities for him to work, were there other opportunities in Maniac, Roxborough, other employers that could really help him. And so after being resilient and still taking on certain jobs around the Maniac area, he now has a career that he can feed his family and take care of himself and that he's very, very proud of. And that was one of the really good success stories in, in Teamworks. And just being a, a older adult as well and still being malleable for programming in the community is it really speaks to the success. And as I mentioned, now he can take care of his family. He's very confident and feels very, very um, grateful that North Flight Community Center was being was able to be there for him. And also Teamworks was able to listen, to provide, and to give them resources at the level that he needed it at, at the mm -hmm. level that we can meet him at. I think that's an amazing story to hear, especially I know a lot of people who have been incarcerated and they've dealt with their background checks not coming back clear. And that's one of the factors that they have to face with trying to find a job. So many people turn them away because they can't get a job because on their background it says X, Y, or Z. And I think it's amazing to hear that. It, I don't know this person's background per se. Well, I kind of do know the person you're referring to. But like at the end of the day, whatever his background is, it didn't discount his ability to find a job and your program was able to be successful in helping him find a job. However, what I do want to talk about is the demographic that you guys target. What is the age range? What type of people do you guys look for to service through Teamworks? So, um, myself, I look for... So the program, programming for young adults is 17 to 24. However, comma, what I've seen during this outreach and marketing opportunity is that people in transition are in all age brackets. And that's what I really look for is the transitional uh, people. Because what I've noticed is that when all your resources are exhausted, right? That's transition where you just want somebody that understands what you're going through, that can be a listening ear, that can provide you with somebody to talk to that's not of your immediate uh, circle, but just that can be supportive. Um, they come in all different ages, all different target groups. Um, but what we've targeted is 17 to about 35 year old. And that age range has so many uh, generational gains and successes that we don't really get to talk about um, on the on the micro on the even the mezzo level in programming we don't get to talk about how thirty year olds and twenty four year olds can actually connect to each other because they've all been in corporate or. They've all been in the same networks, in the same areas, looking for jobs in those same areas and not really talking to each other about how they can work together to actually build out what they're looking at so that they can tell employers what they should look for and things like that. So we look for people that are transitioning, that need support, that is not really an age range to it right now because 
we can't really put an age range on how people are going to leave a job, go into another job, or really take care of their family. It sounds like you're more looking for an attitude than you are an age range or a specific demographic, you know? If you're mm. someone who is ready to work, Teamworks is for you. Yes. Is what I'm here. Unless yes. you're like 75. Because you're the baby <laughs> boomer that is aging out of the workforce and we are trying to replace those jobs. So it's... Yes, it's funny you mentioned that. I had somebody call me and they said, well, I'm 55 years old. I was like, ooh. I mean, yes, you are. You were one of those people. However, what our program and our organization is trying to do, we're trying to get people into the workforce for a substantial amount of time. That's why we're looking at the young folks because we want people that are going to stay in employment for at least 10 to 15 years. And as they mention all the time, millennials don't stay at jobs for more than five years. And so we need to change that because if there's jobs available and resources and financial stability in those jobs, why are we leaving? Mm -hmm. Why are we leaving? <laughs> so I don't understand that part yet. And I think we'll get to the to the bottom line of that. But I don't want to leave a job if it's going to sustain me and give me a career that I'm really, really love to do. Well, so just to be clear, you guys wouldn't take somebody who's 16 or 16 years old because technically they legally can go to school or 14 years old can legally. Um, you mean leave school, like get their GED or whatever? Yeah, they can leave school and get their GED. Would you take somebody who's like 16 years old? So what we want to promote is high school graduates. We really want them to graduate from high school. As yeah. we mentioned in the beginning of this conversation, our educational system is poor on the scale so if they can do the minimum at school to get the diploma please do that i mean do the maximum of course but what our schools what we have seen is that they're just taking the bare minimum do that get the diploma we need you to have a diploma so that we can show that you have some stick to even with high school but then come into our program and then still get a certificate of completion from being at teamworks is what we are trying to promote. Okay. Yeah, and that's why we're at least 117 and up because, you know, can't, you know, work, you're just getting your work permit. Uh, being a high school grad, whether you be a junior or a senior, once you come out, then you're ready. To your point, um, we do look for the attitude, you know, and being ready to take the initiative to want to work, to learn how to work. We understand everybody has barriers. That's okay. But if you're willing to overcome those barriers and not afraid to ask for help, then that's the attitude we want. We're going to uh, encourage you to ask as many questions as possible and, again, work to bring some of that out in terms of emotional challenges and meeting folks where they are. Mm -hmm. But we want to at least invite them to take the first step and to try and take some take the effort and we'll meet them halfway. Um, the age, what we've seen uh, by taking the cap off 17 and up is there is some opportunities for peer mentoring because generations do have various or different experiences so there's some learning there and some support there. So uh, we don't see that as a barrier more so of a, as an asset for folks to learn from each other. Absolutely. And I, I was just gonna say that if there is a 14 year old GED uh, individual or individual with a GED who dropped out of high school, I would challenge you to challenge Bernetta uh, for the same reason that Russell just said, you know, push it a little bit, you know. I can't say for sure that you will get into the program, but 
if you think that this program's right for you and you've got the GED and you're not going to school and you're just looking for that next step, if there is someone out there who fits into that very narrow category, come out and try to get into the program. You know? Yes. Yeah. So um, let's do a throwback. <laughs> Back in my day. Back in my day. <laughs> For all the old heads out there. Yeah. <laughs> so. Back in the day, I wish I had a mentor when. So, that will be our topic. Who wants to start off? I will. I will. Thank I will. You, <laughs> <laughs> I so, was looking at Jesse. Though. I, like, I got to think. <laughs> so, back in my day, um, I wish I had a mentor. So, so I'm not that old. So, I ain't going to go too far back. <laughs> because I did have a lot of mentors when I was growing up. However... I wish I had a mentor when I was going into the military. So my time into the Navy was um, I flew under the radar. For all of you all that know who out there, what that means is that you don't get a lot of attention from the higher ups, which some people go into the service for that. But because I was a black woman in construction, which was very taboo because the construction force in the military is heavily dominated with men, um, I did not have anybody that I can talk to that actually understood what it meant to be a woman that was in construction. And then for that matter, it was also women that were very hard, to say the least. And I'm not really a hard woman. I teeter-totter on the, I like to be very feminine sometimes. And I didn't have that. I didn't have somebody that I can talk to and say, okay, well, I just need somebody to talk about some some girly-girly stuff with. I've had all of the hard people, and it was like, uh, I want to do everything a man wants to do. I'm like, wait a minute. I don't want to do everything a man wants to do, for real, for real. I understand that we do have some equalities. However, I do understand that men have a dominance and strength than I do. I don't want to dig a six-foot hole. I don't want to. If I don't have to, I don't want to. So that's where I wish I would have had a really good mentor to help me understand about how to balance that dynamics of being hard and being a really girly girl and still being in construction. So that was my back in the day. Which is not too far back. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> Russ, you got one? Uh, back in the day, uh, I was just graduating Howard University, the Mecca of Black Education. Shout out to all HBCUs, but you know, I know who the real HU is. <laughs> <laughs> you know, for all those Howardites out there. Um, I guess, you know, when I was first coming to Philly um, back in the day, uh, and if I didn't have a mentor, I wouldn't be here in Philadelphia because um, uh, we had a mentor at the Entrepreneurship Society at the School of Business at Howard that brought us to Philadelphia for a field trip, S- similar to the field trips I take the young people on a day. Wow. Uh, in this case, to find out what a business incubator was at the time, the Enterprise Center was an incubator. Now it's more of a de- business development center. Um, for high growth businesses of color, but coming in uh, from college, my first job out of college, you know, I was really raising my hand, taking initiative, asking questions to the president. And I remember her saying, come work grassroots with the community 
versus uh, corporate America, uh, which I had been interviewing with because I could have went to New York and did the the corporate route and the stock Wall Street route, but um, you know felt that the community was more of a fit for me, and so I took that lead and took her mentorship, uh, and you know. The day I graduated Howard, I had my first T-shirts. I was an entrepreneur then. I sold a few on the road back to Chicago. On the way back, I stopped in Philadelphia for my interview <laughs> and got the job. I, you know, moved uh, to Philadelphia <coughs> in t 2000. And when I first got to Philadelphia then, um, first thing she told me was cut the braids off. And I didn't, you know, coming from Howard, I had the dashiki. It's all about the pride and level of self, and and my history, knowing the rich history, being kings and queens. So, you know, just a lot of love of self and and the hair. And she sat me down and said, "You want to be Kobe or Iverson?" And so that that made me that gave me a real lesson in terms of business and and self identity, and still being, you know, who you are, and being confident and loving that but know how to navigate and in this world. Mm. And so, um, in those examples back then, Kobe was getting all the endorsements and Alan Iverson was not, simply because he had the braids. And he was a hip hop, his <laughs> reputation was a hip hopper. He was also a jerk. <laughs> well, that's, you know, that's personal. I don't know him personally. Fridays and my friend, no, my. <laughs> I did not know that man personally. That's another back in the day, sir. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hey, yeah. Yeah, we would love to get to know you, man. Yes. Yeah. Sweet, yes. But the point, you know, being, you know, the brazen just, I mean, but later along, that hip-hop legacy was what he was known for, but he made that decision for his identity. Mm. And for your professional identity, you have to make those choices. Mm to feed your family so it was an interesting kobe is still a black man and a brother but at the same time um you know he cut his hair off he had a different image so the diversity with it even in you know our population and our culture is something that i had to learn how to navigate mm. i like that visual i i can just see both of them standing next to each other and see how much money kobe has made or endorsements that he's gotten and then seeing the dynamic of Isla Iverson, you just, it's two, to, totally different people. Like, Isla Iverson gambles. Like, this, he was broke for a long time. I mean, right. Until, but that's what I mean. Like, gambles with mm -hmm. his professionalism, right. with his, his actual career. He gambled with that by doing some of those things that um, Russell was mentioning, like doing the hip hop thing and things like that. Instead of listening to those mentors, that I'm sure that Kobe listened to by saying that you got to do some of these so that you can get that money so that you can maintain and take care of your family. Well, so, that was before Kobe cheated on his wife. So. Uh, yeah, exactly. Ooh. We're talking like back when he was number eight. Then he shaved the fro. He was all, he was clean after that. That's right. That's yeah. Right. yeah, no, he went <laughs> through a few rough years. Dude. <laughs> all right, Jesse. Oh, my turn for here. back in the day. All right. So <laughs> I wish that I had a mentor when I got arrested. Um, I wish that someone, so I got arrested for something that I didn't do. Uh, I stayed in the space and like almost willingly got arrested because I thought that like, law enforcement would be like, yeah, this is dumb. And they ultimately were, but after they arrested me. And that just put me down for, like, a solid two years. I was, like, 
pretty critically depressed. Um, I thought that my whole life was over. I thought that everything, like, I, everything that I had been told was that when you get arrested, like, you can't work anymore, you can't, and that's what I had been told. And like we discussed earlier, for some people, that's definitely the case. Uh, with second degree misdemeanor, not really gonna hurt you or follow you around too much, but in that moment I was so trapped in shame, uh, grief, like there was a loss of my own innocence mm. uh, that I had felt like had been taken. Um, and I wish that someone had just, that I had had a mentor. The lawyer that I had was not a mentor. He was... he, he money. Yeah, it, it, it was. I mean, the first day he told me, you got 3000 And I said, no. So I went to the bank. And then he, and then he wanted to talk to me. It wasn't until then, right? And that, that, that's not what a mentor is. And there was no understanding that I'm this 20-year-old kid who's, like, really upset that I didn't do something and am now in trouble for it, and that all this hard work that I've done for 20 years leading up to that moment mm. felt like it was gone. Baseball felt like it was gone. School felt like it was gone. My family felt like it was gone. Mm. And I just wish that someone had been there to be like, you're all right. Like, your family is going to love you. Like, real family, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, fortunately, I got a real good family where my bloodline is that sort of a family. But for other people, it's friends, for other people. But someone's going to have you, and they're, they're not going to see you as an arrest. They're going to see you as an individual mm -hmm. yes. and a person. And the same person that woke up the day before, before you got arrested. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I just didn't have that when I was out in Ohio uh, for college and... I, I just got so far into my own head that it took me, I'm still, I still feel like I'm crawling out of that space sometimes, mm. you know? Um, and so a mentor, a Mario would have been mm -hmm. really, really great mm -hmm. for me at that time. Mm. Yeah. That's, I'm, mm. That really just made me say, like, in my head, like, shout out to all of the people that are still incarcerated for something that you did not do. Mm -hmm. Just remember that your family loves you. Your community is waiting for you to come out here so that we can love on you as well and provide you with those resources that we have. And not only that, but your voice is so important because they're, the, the biggest thing is, that I learned is that I am far from the only person that suffers that level of injustice. I walk around as a white man. Mm. I'm six foot two, over 200 pounds. I got a lot of privileges in life. So for me to be that struck by that sort of an experience, we need, you need, people need to speak out when there is that level of injustice in the world because it's just not right. And we don't have to just sit back and accept that as the state of the world and okay, that's it. I'm just going to grieve and sorrow that... You know, I live in such an unjust world. No, 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 no. You now have a responsibility, if you take it upon yourself, to make this world a better place and to make sure that whatever kids are not born yet don't have to fall into the same messed up situation that you did. Your voice mm -hmm. is so important, mm -hmm. and it does matter. Mm. And, yeah, especially for those people who are wrongly convicted wow. and sit in prison, lose years off their life mm -hmm. that you just can't get back. Speak up. Yes. Mm -hmm. All right, Johnny, your turn. All right, so my back in my day, you know we do our little rehearsals beforehand, and I changed it, you guys. John changes it 
every time. I do actually. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, this time I wanna. I kind of wish I had a mentor at the very end of my education. Well, the beginning and the end. So I kind of wish I had a mentor when I was transitioning out of school. As you know, I was a high school dropout. And I wish that I had somebody who was guiding me through that transition. If you don't know, the only reason why I was a drop dropout is not because by choice. It was because when I came, well, what happened was I was dealing with the domestic abuse situation with my sister. And so I could not go to school because me and her got into it and she kicked me out because of her boyfriend situation. It wasn't me or her being abused, but it was her boyfriend situation was making it so toxic that me and her were arguing that I had to leave eventually because it was a choice that she made. So I lived on the streets for a little bit and then I had to navigate through how I'm going to get my education as well as take care of my mom and take care of the bills and help out the family and everything else. So I had to make choices based off of that. And I wish I had a mentor at that time to tell me, all right, this is how you need to navigate. These are the schools you need to go to. This is the way you do financial aid. This is the way that you manage your finances while you're in school. At the time, I did have a pretty decent job working at a restaurant, and I did have a good amount of tips that were coming in. And I just was blowing it, and I wish that somebody was, like, navigating me through that time. So that's what I kind of wish I had back in my day. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Very good. Yes. Yeah. Um, it was just some of the things that you said, like just ways to manage your money while you're in school. Right. I talk to teenagers and young adults all the time that are in college, that are at community, that are at some of these universities in the city, and just being able to manage those funds. I tell them all the time, college student broke. Period. Your status, I don't have anything. I'm actually investing right now. I'm actually investing my money into Mm -hmm. my education. Mm -hmm. And especially in a city that didn't invest the money into the education while they were getting public education or Mm -hmm. free education, now I have to do double work and Mm -hmm. invest. Mm -hmm. And so you will be without funding. And I think that that's so hard for young adults to understand is because when you turn 18, the society makes you believe that you can now do things on your own because you can get arrested at 18 and you might not have a a pot to pee in, but you can get arrested. And so that is also something to understand to help young people understand is that they, their lives have changed drastically and they don't have that same opportunity to, to really pay for school, to be on their own and still provide for their families. I couldn't imagine being a young person in school and having a, a little kid to, to look after or a baby to look after. How do you actually do that? So the resilience in some of these young folks are amazing to mm-hmm. me. And to see and to hear some of their stories are unbelievable. So just to also help them understand, engage some of the things that we had as young adults going into college, but that they might not have. And so that's why this mentorship is very important because they have to understand some of the things that they are privileged to, but also some of the things that we can tell them how to navigate. Mm -hmm. So hopefully, you know, you can uh, support our young people by, you know, donating the teamworks. Um, you know, come in and check us out to see what we're doing at the North Light Community Center. And uh, come encourage the young people on their graduating this Friday. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a great actual segue right into the... Housekeeping. Yeah. 
All right, so actually, I was going to start, well, we were going to start off with me, but let's talk about, since we're talking about teamwork, let's start off with your next cohort. When is your next cohort, and what exactly is your graduation date? Uh, November 8th, this Friday, from 6 to 8, at the North Light Community Center, 175 Green Lane in Maniac, Philadelphia. All are welcome. Germantown, West Philly, South Philly. Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. Brooklyn. Vegas. In the building, BK. Let's see. I'm from New York, man. Mm-hmm. Hey. What about for Cohort 4? Um, we are starting Cohort 4 next Tuesday, November 12th. So you can actually register right now online via the website. Northlightcommunitycenter.org. Under Team Works, you will find the application hyperlink. All right. Um, so, Bernetta, do you have anything else you want to add as far as Team Works or Team Services? Um, also, within Team Works and Team Services, you can come out in to some of our community events and our volunteering in the community events. Um, our development director will talk more about the community events that we have upcoming. One in particular is Pints for Northlight. And then we have some of our um, Thanksgiving and holiday meal deliveries that teens can always come by and help with because the community of North Light loves to see young adults and they love to see teenagers that like to support the community in in a whole. All right. So uh, one thing I will say with speaking of the holidays, you know, our spread the spirit is coming up and that will be November 8th. I mean, so sorry. That will be December. Let me get my facts straight. <laughs> December 8th, we are going to do Spread the Spirit. However, I'm ending our uh, the submission for uh, slips, permission slips for your children to go. Your child must be between the ages of babies, <laughs> infancy, to 12 years old and if they are older than 12 they will not be able to participate in the gift giving process but they will be able to participate in the festivities um you just cannot fill their name out on like when they get a present and everything else and they won't get to sit on santa's lap but that is december 8th and we are ending our uh uh permission slip submission on november 22nd just to get that out there and also on november 16th this is november 16th um, the Lenovo is having a community basketball game. If you want to sign up, there is a link that I can send to you. Just email me at jthornton, T-H-O-R-N-T-O-N, at northlightcommunitycenter.org, and I will uh, give you the information for the Villanova basketball uh, game. Also, um, because this program is very new and we are still merging together the programs between children's services and teen services is um, called Fuse. And we are connecting ages 13, I'm sorry, 13 and 16 to cognition, which is learning about computer coding. And we're also connecting them to another uh, another facet of educational and career services which is a film director and his name is terry Leahy. so the students get a good gauge in different uh industries that they can participate in once they actually find what they are interested in Mm -hmm. so um our development director can talk a little bit more about that and we'll take it to jesse so fuse was uh really the work of 
the directors that you see sitting here. It was a way, like Bernetta said earlier in the podcast, to meet the needs of 13 to 16 year old teens. Mm -hmm. Um, I guess. Uh, And, you know, childcare ends at age 12. Workforce development traditionally begins at age 16. So there was a critical need. And we were lucky enough to establish a formal partnership with Cognition, who does uh, artificial intelligence security system. They are teaching our children how to machine learn, which is teaching computers to teach themselves. And they are ultimately going to set up and continue to teach an artificial intelligence securities system at Northlight. Um, And so they can practice, they can continue to get those skills. Again, this is like 22nd century Mm -hmm. skills and those jobs, uh, like not right off the bat, but those are high six-figure jobs Mm -hmm. uh, that are potentially out there that we are teaching kids from an early age, no cost associated with it. They just have to come out and get involved. And then Terry Leahy Films, additionally, teaching kids about video content production as well as the marketing side of actually getting the video out there. So it's pre-production, post-production, mm-hmm. production, and then the marketing. So you make the whole video, and then you want an audience to see it. Mm-hmm. We're also looking for other partners to get involved. Um, there's a volunteer who wants to teach coding. There is another organization called Junior Achievement that works on financial literacy and entrepreneurship training. And we're talking with them about potentially getting their curriculum involved. Mm-hmm. If anybody who is listening has access to EITC credits, uh, educational income tax credits. Uh, FUSE, as well as SCEP, uh, operate as an education improvement organization, which means that we can get money through that lens, and we can actually, a donation can be given back either 75% or 90% as a tax credit. So if that opportunity is out there for anybody, please let us know about it. We would love to connect with you on that to get your philanthropic dollars. As Bernetta said, we also have an event called Pints for Northlight, where you can come out and literally drink for the benefit of children. It is a beautiful event. It is November 21st from 7 p.m. to 10 p.m. Uh, again, you can go to northlightcommunitycenter.org, see a little beer bubble tab at the bottom. It says Pints for Northlight. You can find all the information there. Ticket sales are online. You can also buy tickets at the door, but they are more expensive at the door, so buy them early. We currently have 12 beer sponsors. We're looking for a 13th. There's a silent auction. There's food. As soon as you buy the ticket, it's whatever you want until we run out. <laughs> um, but we will be at the Maniunk Brewing Company. That's where it is, and they have their beer taps available for us because we are very supported by the community. Northlight is very lucky in that sense. Um, Just to add, the teenagers will not be drinking beer. They will be assisting with the silent auction, the sign-in, and also with uh, setting up and and tearing down. Yes, thank you for the clarification. We are drinking for the kids, not Not with with the the kids. kids. Exactly. What time is that? That is from 7 o'clock to 10 o'clock p.m. And then uh, normal development stuff. We are starting our annual campaign with Irene Madrak leaving our current executive director. Uh, she set her final goal for her last annual campaign to eclipse the $100,000 raised mark. So we are looking, if you can only give a dollar, that's okay. If a million people give a dollar, we get a million dollars. The other way to help us out if you cannot give financially is to help other people become aware of the services that go on at Northlight. 
um, especially as the Maniunk Roxborough community gentrifies and we get newcomers into the community. Having people who know about us tell other people about the work we do is critically important. Direct them to this podcast. You can direct them to our video series or our website. Any of that's good. Again, the funds that come in, it funds childcare, it funds workforce development, it funds emergency service programs. It's critical for the community. Um, I think, I think that that's it. All right, you guys. Oh, I guess one more thing because it was mentioned. I apologize. Holiday assistance programs. Thank you. Mm-hmm. We do at the end of the year. So those are going to start around Thanksgiving. We give out about 140 baskets of uh, like not prepared Thanksgiving meals to people. And then we also are working on having prepared meals for homeless people because they cannot prepare the foods that we have given them. That has been a problem in the past. And then as we get into December, John told you about the Spirit of Maniunk event. Spirit of, um, spread the spirit. Spread the spirit. That's through Villanova, not Maniunk. Thank you. Spread the spirit through Villanova. And then there is also a holiday. Uh, we have an Adopt-A-Family program where we give gifts to people. I think that that's for anybody with kids under the age of 18. Mm-hmm. And that includes if there is a developmentally disabled adult in the house. Um, it is the intellectual age, so we still work with those individuals even though they are technically over the age of 18. And then finally, we partner, we just, this will be our 21st year of Maniunk Meals and More, where the uh, Main Street restaurants put together hot meals. We take it to elderly households and households with individuals with disabilities. Last year we served over a thousand hot meals to people throughout the community, right to their doorstep. It's a great event that kind of combines, you know, Main Street as well as the community. We partner with Journey's Way to make it happen. It takes over 100 volunteers throughout the day. So another great opportunity to get involved, another great reason to donate and support North Light and the work that we do. I'll finally be quiet. <laughs> thank you, Jesse. <laughs> <laughs> so I would like to say thank you to everybody at Maniac Studios for allowing us to use this space. Yes. Oh, no, it's not Maniac Studios. We talked about this, I think, the podcast before last. It's M. Hold on. Let me get my acronym, acronym right. M-N-Y-K. Yep. Say it again. Studios. M-N-Y-K Studios. Yep. Good uh, correction, John. Yes. Thank you. And I was on it. Yes, you were. <laughs> um. Please share or repost this podcast. In addition, have a blessed and great week. Thank you, Tawana Skipper, Ebony Sons, Russell Hicks, Bernetta Williams, Jesse Kohler, and myself, because I better thank myself because I love myself. Have a great day. <laughs>